Hello and welcome to the Road to Lords, the 2023 Vinayas Village Cup podcast. In episode one, myself, that's Elizabeth Botcherby, and tournament manager, Ian Smith, will look back on all of the action from the preliminary round and round one of this year's competition. Well, welcome back, Ian. We're uh, on the Road to Lords again already. Thank you. And, and I think most of the action uh, in the last couple of weeks has been by the groundsmen, um, mopping <laughs> things up. Um, and I do think, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a cliche, but they are the unsung heroes. Every time a game gets played, it's often down to the groundsmen having put the hard work in. Um, there's been an awful lot of rain around. And as as people will see from the play cricket side, there's an awful lot of uh, rounds or matches yet to be decided because they've been pushed back a week to try and get some some dry weather in. So uh, it's been an interesting start to the season for, for all cricket people in England, I think. And this is the 52nd edition of the competition. Last year, we put a new name on the trophy when Dumbleton beat Calmore. And it was a good day out at Lords. We were both there. Yes, it was a lovely day out. And, and particularly as uh, in previous years or the previous two years, we couldn't do the, the full final thing because of COVID. Uh, so it was good to have people back. It was good to... Um, you know, have a, have some people in the crowds, and it was a good game of cricket, and that's that's really all you want. You want to, you know, the last thing you want is to somebody go home from Lords having taken a bit of a beating because that's that will tarnish their memories. But if they've competed and they've had a good game, um, and certainly the last two or three years they've been really good games of cricket. So, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see who gets there this year. Um, like you, I always like to see a, a new team uh, put their name on the, on the cup. Um, and and there's there's we've had a few new clubs enter this year or, or re-enter after a few years away, so it'll be interesting to see how it develops. The headlines. The weather has tried its best to disrupt the first couple of rounds, uh, but that's not stopped us from seeing some great matches up and down the country. So there were five groups in action in the preliminary round, um, and Hambledon scored one of the big upsets of this year's competition, beating Bramshaw by 112 runs. Uh, Bramshaw, of course, reached the Hampshire regional finals last year. And in Sussex, 2018 finalists Liphook and Ripsley were eliminated by Finden. And Oxfordshire saw one of the, probably the pick of the matches from that round. It was a low-scoring battle of the bowlers between Tiddington and Sandford St. Martins. Tiddington were all out for 110, but that was more than enough, uh, with Jordan Davis taking four for 12 as Sandford were all out for 33. And moving into round one, uh, there was a clash of the titans in Cheshire with 2021 runners-up Alvinley facing two-time champions Coldy. But it turned out to be a, a very one-sided affair with Alvinley cruising to a seven-wicket win. Two-time champions Go-Taker safely through to round two after beating Box by eight wickets. And in North Yorkshire, there were centuries for Ben Lockie and Alex Macken as Eberston thrashed Forge Valley. Tondu defeated Sully Centurions and they're going to face Sully Spartans uh, in round two. And in Oxfordshire, 19-year-old Josh Cummings picked up 7 for 14 as Horsforth beat the Boldens. Performance of the week. Ian, which game caught your eye? Well, it was Tiddington again. So Tiddington in the first round played um, Great and Little Chew. And these are two real um, big supporters of the Village Cup. Tiddington are appearing in their 47th Village Cup and Great and Little Chew uh, in their 49th. So... Both have been in the in the competition for a very long time, and it's the fifth time they've met, actually, in the cup as well. So, um, as I said before, I think you know to get the game on by the groundsman is a, is a huge effort, and and particularly if you look around the area uh, around them, the games that were, were rained off. Um, so, congratulations to whoever was the the groundsman at Tiddington, um, and obviously with so many um, games being rained off in the competition, there's also been a whole load of 
pre-season games that haven't taken place. So therefore the batters and the bowlers are a little bit rusty and, and trying to get themselves into some form. But so Tillington posted 167 for nine. Decent score, helped by 62 from 78 balls from Chris Goodman. Um, and despite Toby Parker's innings of 47 from 56 balls, great little chew were dismissed for 105. Five. You mentioned before Jordan Davis. He's quite an interesting character in, in the village cup. He's building quite a career. He's played 10 games, taken 16 wickets at a remarkable average of 9.5, um, which is decent by anybody's standards. That's that's just not having one good game and you know having a ridiculously low average. If you do that in 10 games and 16 wickets, that's a really good uh, career he's building in the village cup. So um, I'm sort of hoping Tillington is going to be one of my clubs to follow this year, I think. And uh, I'm hoping Jordan will be someone that we can see continue to keep that average where it is, which would be a remarkable achievement. Yeah, I think he's the early leader in the wicket-taking charts, isn't he? I think he's up to eight with back-to-back forfers, which is yeah. well, it's borderline showing off, really. But yeah, it's it's it, it's it's really interesting that the you know there are uh, you know we always like to welcome back new clubs, but it's really good to see clubs who've supported the competition and have thoroughly enjoyed the competition over any number of years, and to have forty-seven and forty-nine appearances between them. Uh, it's quite it's, it's quite an achievement. Well, my match uh, takes us quite a bit further north uh, into Cheshire, um, where there was a one-run thriller between Barrow and Mobley. Barrow were the home side and, and chose to bat after winning the toss, but I think they probably regretted that fairly early on. Um, their opener, David McClements, uh, was out for a five-ball duck, and later on they collapsed from, I think it was 56 for one to 66 for four. At uh, that point, you must be thinking, what on earth was my captain thinking? Um, but Zach Rogers, uh, batting at number four, turned out to be quite a quite an anchor. Uh, he scored 56 off 83 balls and helped his side to 158 uh, before being the final wicket to fall. Uh, there were four wickets for L. Wielden and three for Matt Mountney. They were the, the pick of the Mobley bowlers. And in the chase, Zach Rogers was immediately back into the action. He dismissed Mobley's captain for 11 uh, and then David McClements made amends for his duck with three wickets um, as Mobley kind of stumbled a bit to 79 for six. Um, but then got themselves really back in the game with a bit of a bit of lower order resistance um, from Abdul Akil and Ben Wood. Um, and they headed into the final over needing just three runs to win. But, you know, cometh the hour, cometh the man. Zach Rogers back again. Um, and a run out off the penultimate delivery uh, wrapped up a one-run win. I don't think there's going to be many closer games than that this year. It did make me laugh when you said about the chap who got a five-ball knot. You think that's probably the first game of the season. You know, he's not very happy that he's batting first and then he's sat on his backside for the whole innings thinking, why do I play this game? We've all been there. We've all been there. It will get better. But uh, yeah, it's a great challenge this time of year for everybody. And uh, hopefully, as you say, the weather's looking a bit kinder this weekend. So... A lot of the games that were postponed last Sunday can take place this Sunday. Unfortunately, we've already had in the preliminary round uh, a couple of uh, tosses taking place to decide winners, which, you know, we have to do that to, to get someone to go through. But it's a very unsatisfactory way of getting a winner from, in, from any match. So hopefully we can get some uh, more cricket in this weekend and hit round two running. Yeah, I think, did we have a couple of uh, bowl-offs uh, last year, I think there were there were one or two, maybe one in Wales. Um, I think at one point last year, they're always quite fun. Um, well, bowl offs, bowl offs at least include some, you know, toss of a coin. It's just chance, isn't it? Um, but yeah, bowl offs, and and in my experience, my club played in a, a competition where we were a bowl off, 
And I think between the two sides, it took 18 balls before anybody hit the stumps. Um, and these were you know, pretty decent club cricketers. And it just shows you how often umpires give out LBWs. They've only hit the stumps one in 18. There's probably not going to be many LBWs around. So, yeah, I, I, you know, they like penalty shootouts in football. Unless you're a fan of one of the teams involved, they're great entertainment. If you're one of the fans, you know, if you follow one of the sides in a bowl out, it's awful. But, um, yeah, it's far better than a toss of a coin. Player of the Round. Uh, with matches still to be played in round one, um, the jury's still out on who wins the Player of the Round. Um, but there were a number of players in the running for the award in the preliminary round. Langton's batter, Soyev Salaji, became the first player to score a century in this year's competition when he retired out on 105. Um, while Sanford St. Martin bowler Michael Chapman uh, took 5 for 22 in a losing call. But the standout all-round performance came from Hambledon's uh, Jonty Oliver. Uh, Ian, you were fairly impressed with his his performance. Yeah, yeah, he had a great game. Um, he came to the wicket at 143 for two. And he, he, he hit 45 run out from 37 balls, and, and so they ended up on 218 for five. Uh, and he then spoiled the game by taking five for 21 um, to bowl his side to a 112 run win. Um, so, yeah, that was a great performance by John T. And uh, I think he will have enjoyed that um, victory as, as much as any of his team did. And I think the team are now through to round two after they, um, they won. So they'll be playing Hosley Park, I think, in the next round. Yeah, I quite his captain described his his innings as breezy, which I, I think is quite a marvellous way to describe it. The big thing. And now it's time to hear from Vinayas Ambassador and former England international Lydia Greenway, who delivered a junior masterclass at Lanacost CC on April 23rd. The Cumbrian side are making their 30th appearance in the Village Cup and last season celebrated their 75th anniversary. With over 60 junior members and 18 strong women and girls set up a numerous men's team, Lanacost really are at the heart of the community. The cricketer's Adam Marshall caught up with Lydia after the session. Lydia Greenway, England legend, welcome to the Vineos Village Cup podcast. We're absolutely delighted to have you on the show. Hi Adam, no, thanks, thanks very much for having me and yeah, really looking forward to having a chat. Great. Well, this year, you're the ambassador for the Village Cup's headline sponsor, Vineas Broadband, which means we get the pleasure of your company over the course of the summer. Uh, can you just let us know a little bit more about your involvement this year? Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, I'm one of the ambassadors for the Vineas Village Cup, um, and it was something I was asked to do um, quite a while ago now. Um, and, yeah, it was a very easy decision to say yes, um, mainly because of the opportunity that the Village Cup provides for for cricket clubs around the country. I think the prospect of, you know, a local village team being able to enter an, a nationwide competition and go on to play at Lords is is a phenomenal opportunity. And um, yeah, having visited many village um, clubs around the country over the years, it's um, yeah, it's a brilliant, brilliant um, initiative and a great competition. So I wanted to to get my support behind it. And and it's interesting that. You hear a lot about cricket, um, you know, lo local cricket being ha having its own challenges and it being difficult for, you know, and you, you hear about teams closing down. But despite all the pressures and challenges facing village cricket clubs at the moment, this year we've had more teams enter than we've had in over a decade. 
what is it that you think is so important about grassroots and village cricket that makes the competition like this so enduring? I, I think there's a, a few different things. Um, I, I think if you think about the role of the cricket club in the community, especially in villages, um, they're often the heartbeat of, of what's going on, um, you know, on a Sunday afternoon. I'm sure many people can relate to walking past and, and seeing that game of cricket go on and they just choose to sit down, whether they're walking their dog and, and just watch for a few overs in the sunshine. And I think, you know, outside of the cricket, it's the, the teamwork that goes behind it. We all know that cricket clubs are run solely on volunteers um, and they're very, very special people. The volunteers are the bedrock of grassroots cricket. Um, and we, we've obviously been to, to a cricket club recently um, up in Cumbria, Lanacost, and um, you could just get that sense of, of the community there. Everyone was pulling together. Boys and girls came for the session. Um, and I think once you, you get a core group very quickly, that can grow. Yeah, I was hoping you'd bring us on to Lanacost. Yeah, you and I uh, visited <laughs> Lanacost Cricket Club up in Cumbria uh, this weekend, right in the shadow of Hadrian's Wall up there. Um, it's one of the teams obviously playing in this year's uh, uh, Vanellas Village Cup. Um, you put on a masterclass, didn't you, for uh, a coaching session for their thriving youth se uh, section. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. It was um, it was an open session. So we prior to that, we had a discussion about you know, the numbers that, well, should we cap the numbers or not and put a limit on it? But we decided actually, no, let's just open it up to anyone and everyone. And and we had a real range of, of players, boys and girls, um, sort of from eight or nine years old, all the way up to 15, 16. And um, yeah, it was just great to see youngsters playing the game and enjoying it. And I think even after the masterclass finished, the, the boys um, had their own game afterwards out on the yeah. square and, yeah, for me, it's not about producing England players at those sorts of sessions. It's about, it's about um, you know, developing a lifelong passion for the game. Yeah, it, it's interesting you say that. It's, it, it's not just about the core skills, is it? It's about them actually enjoying the game of cricket. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, we're, all, we're probably all very biased when it comes to cricket. But I think it just has so many different dimensions to it that helps young people uh, develop really important skills um, we often talk about the spirit of cricket and yeah. you know all those skills are so transferable into everyday life and um, yeah that's why I think cricket's the one isn't it yeah absolutely and um, uh, being up in Lanacost as well it was one of those clubs when you when you think of village cricket or a village cricket club um, it, it had all the archetypes of of that, didn't it? it had the, there was the there was the old clubhouse. There was the the rolling hills behind the bowler's arm. You know, there, there, there was even a medieval priory just sitting beyond the the, the square leg boundary. Um, but I think even more than that, it's about you know the enthusiasm of the people running in it, isn't it? Yes, it is. And you know, we met we met some brilliant volunteers up there. Um, we we met the chairman. We also met the the junior coordinator, the head of the women's section, and. Um, it really does take a, a team effort to, to keep a club going. But you could tell, I mean, I think the day before it was chucking it down with rain. Um, yeah. The game that was due to be played before our coaching session was cancelled. And very easily, I think people could have not come on a Sunday morning. But yeah, pretty much, um, pretty much, I think all the people that we were expecting to turn up did. And, and perhaps even even more than we thought. I so, think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a great, great morning. And and you, you you touched on it briefly then as well, but 
so great to see them having a thriving girls and women's section as well, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And I was, I was talking to the women and they, as many clubs do, and I think it's the best starting point if a, a club's thinking of starting a women's section is to start with the softball cricket. Um, there's obviously yeah. the women's softball festivals that take place up and down the country. And and that really is the best starting point. And the women up at Lanacost, I think they've been playing softball for about three or four years and now they're trying to move on to hardball cricket. So, yeah, to see those progressions being made, it, I think it just shows what, what can be done at, at cricket clubs. For sure. Absolutely. And and I mean, in, in terms of um, this year's competition as well, as, as well as visiting clubs like Lanacost, and and you're going to join us for the the, the final up in uh, sorry down in Lords in September as well. Uh, I understand you'll also be on the judging panel for the uh, Vanellas Village Cup Community Legends Award. Um, now this is a, a new prize that's been introduced by the sponsor Vanellas this year that will recognise a club that's a, a real pillar of its community. And you've already talked a little bit about that. But again, it, it's so important, isn't it, that um, such an as- important aspect of village cricket this this community angle. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it. Yeah, as we say, it's not just about what's what happens on the the cricket pitch. It's about what cricket clubs offer to the community. Um, and you know, I've seen great examples of of village clubs and and other local cricket clubs. You know, using their facilities for other events. Um, an example I can think of a, a club where I grew up at. They they actually run like a beer and music festival now yes, where you know nice. the local community comes down there's a cricket match going on um, and you know for cricket clubs they might get the odd member sign up from it but actually it's about providing um, yeah just providing something for the community and um, yeah it's a, it's a great way to to bring everyone together and to, to really enjoy our, our hopefully summer um, sunny summer. Yeah, absolutely, and, and the, the nominations we've already ha- we've already had for the um, Community Legends Award are exactly those kind of clubs. You know, they they're running. You know, they're the the, the the clubs being used for for you know voting. It's being used for the uh you know the the, the Christmas parties and and everything else. You know, beer festivals exactly like you say, and it just it just reinforces how important those clubs are, are to those 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 village communities. Um, and the other thing you did as well on Lydia uh, Lydia on on Sunday was you brought the weather with you as well, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think everyone was quite nervous weren't they um yes. chatting to the Vinayas guys as well I think um it was that typical leading into a weekend checking the forecast um, yeah. to make sure it was going to be okay but yeah we got <laughs> away with it well hopefully there'll be plenty more sunny uh cricketing weekends to come Lydia thank you so much for your time we really do appreciate it and uh, hopefully we'll speak to you again soon no worries thank you Now, looking ahead, there's a handful of round one uh, matches still to be completed, um, and then round two takes place on May 7th. And by this stage, all 32 regions will be in action. And there's a couple of big guns entering the competition at this stage as well. You know, defending champions Dumbleton, uh, joining the Worcestershire section, 2020 champions Colwall uh, are coming in in Herefordshire. I think Redbourne are in Beds and Hearts. Who have you got your eye on in round two, Ian? Well, there's a romantic side to me, and I think Hamilton would be, a, a, you know, as the as the cradle of cricket, as um, as they are described. I would really love to see them uh, push through, just because of their history within the game. Um, Calmore, despite their loss last year, are still a very strong side. Uh, I, I'd say Hamilton is somewhat Hamilton is, is a team I'd like to see progress because it's just a very romantic notion to see them 
uh, do well in the competition. Yeah, I think Dumbleton are going to be a, a fun one to watch. Obviously, defending champions, they've got quite a big target on the back. Everyone in Worcester will want to take them down. Um, and they're going to be facing one of the sides they beat on the road to Lords last year, uh, either Brett Fulton or Hagley. Um, and they absolutely snotted Hagley last year. I think regional final beat them by about 10 wickets. Um, but Brett Fulton was their closest game of the whole competition. They only beat them by nine runs. Um, so if Brett Fulton get through, there could be a few a few nervy people on the sidelines. Um, yeah, and as you say, as the previous winners, that they, they will have that target on their back. It's, you know, I think it's the old story, isn't it, when England won the World Cup at football in 66 and then Scotland beat them the following spring. You know, Scotland were claiming they were now world champions. So um, I think, you know, there'll be quite a few sides there that will, in, in the best nature of the game, want to put one over on them. Yeah, and I mean, speaking of Scotland, I think I've also got quite a soft spot for for that group. They haven't had a, a champion since 1985. Um, and winning the regional title is a huge deal up there. Um, one of the members from Meagle has been sending me a list of all of the clubs that have won the Scotland group, let alone the whole competition. Um, and it, it's really big bragging rights up there. Um, so I think the first teams up to the plate are Falkland and Dune. I think they're doing battle for a, a game with Meagle, actually, um, in yes. round three. So it's could be quite exciting up there, and oh, it'd be nice to see a Scottish team at Lords. Yeah, and we we had quite a lot of success this year in attracting some more teams from uh, Cornwall, uh, and and I think you know, it'd be really good to see a few more Scottish teams in there as well. Not because of you know <laughs> they are the other end of the country, but a Cornwall versus Scotland final would have a great romance about it somewhere. Well, that's all we have time for in episode one. Uh, thanks to Ian for his company and to our sponsors, Vinayas Broadband. Bowler, Theakston, Crickviz and the Lords Taverners. And good luck to everyone on the road to Lords. Mm-hmm.